Good morning. Good morning. So today we're talking about how to think about God. So the title came from a conversation we had last time I was here where it seemed like you had forgotten everything I taught you about how to think about God <laughs> from years ago. Which is very depressing to me because I assume that when I say something, it goes in and stays in forever. But that's because I was at the university where the kids change every year and I have no evidence that they remember what I say. But you don't change so much, so I just assumed you would remember. So you don't. So for the first time in all the years I've been coming here, I'm going to recycle some ideas. Though some of you are probably going, no, he does that every time. But no, really, I'm, I'm consciously recycling something about how you think about God. But let's take up the title first. We're not talking about what to think about God. Right? I'm not going to tell you what you should think about God. Or I am, but I'm not going to make it so explicit that you, you know, it's going to be that obvious. Right? I'm going to tell you what I think about God, which is the true thing to think about God. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that, despite the fact that I just said that. And then we're talking about thinking about God, as opposed to experiencing God directly. Right? This is not a retreat. If we were gone for a weekend or a week or something, and we were doing contemplative practices, then we would be trying to experience something. But here, it's, this is a mental exercise. We're talking about categories. We're talking about ideas. And it's at least one step removed from any kind of direct experience of what God may be. So all that's preliminary to the preface <laughs> of what I'm going to say. And that is, why talk about God at all? One of the things, and this is, this is a little difficult to, to, to wrestle with, one of the things you notice during Joys and Concerns is that we never invoke a deity. If you went up the street and someone talked about having a seizure, which I also did just a few weeks ago, ended up in the hospital, same thing. They went through all these tests. I was there for days. They found nothing. Um, so that sort of leaves you hanging. At no point during my three-day stay in the cardiac unit did it occur to me to pray to God. Right? That just never occurred to me. My bad, I guess. But if I were up the street, they would have a very different approach. Right? They would be praying to God the whole time. And if they shared their experience, or, or they said, you know, they wouldn't ask for, you know, send positive thinking my way, right? They would, they would invoke Jesus. Or if you went to the, the, the Hindu, the Ganesh temple, they would invoke the god Ganesha. They would, they would do something that would give you something more direct, maybe more powerful than well, a bunch of Unitarians <laughs> sending me positive vibes about my condition. If they remember, <laughs> and if they even think positive vibes has any positive impact on the universe at all, since the universe is infinite and we're so puny, so why bother? But okay, that's another thing. <clears throat> so why talk about God at all? So I have two reasons for talking about God. One, I'm obsessed with the word, right? I can't, so somebody's car is going off. 
Hopefully it's not mine. Let me pray that it's not mine. I, I'm obsessed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right. Thank you, Krishna. Thank you, Kali, for turning that off. Um, I, I'm obsessed with the word. I, I've been obsessed with God since I was 16 years old. I'm just really interested in it. I was, I was, uh, uh, at a, I, I was at the, the UU in Tullahoma last sun, was it last Sunday, one of the, two Sundays ago, and I, I mentioned the fact that when I was 16 years old, my Orthodox synagogue shared sort of like the backyard of my Orthodox synagogue was a wooded area, and on the other side of the woods was this gorgeous Unitarian church, all made of glass and surrounded by the woods, really. Uh, they didn't have a, they had a parking lot, but you had to walk, you, had, you parked your car and then you walked through the woods to get to the church. It was just gorgeous. They called it the bird sanctuary because it was all glass in the middle of the woods and they were constantly cleaning their windows because <laughs> it was a bird sanctuary. But it was really beautiful. And I went there because my Orthodox synagogue was just so boring. And I wondered what was going on at the Unitarians. And I'd read a bunch of stuff about it. And I thought this sounded so much more engaging and spiritually powerful than what I was experiencing in my synagogue. And I met with the minister. And I said, you know, I'm just so, I didn't use the word God intoxicated because I didn't know that word yet, that phrase yet from Spinoza. But I'm so enamored, so taken by the concept of God. And what I meant was, we'll get to it, but something very mystical. And the minister said, oh, we don't talk about God here. <laughs> God, that's ridiculous. You know, we're all atheists. And I said, oh, well, that leaves me, that doesn't leave me a home here either. I don't like the, the Lord, the king the, of my Orthodox synagogue who's in charge of the universe and who just, in, in the case of the past, couple, you know, past week or so, who just let 40,000 people die in an earthquake uh, in Turkey and Syria. I, that guy just, if that's the God, then, then psychopathic deities are not my thing. So I don't want anything to do with that God. But if that's the only alternative you have and so you just reject it, if, that's, if you're thinking about God as that narrow, it's either the Lord, the King, the Father, that kind of deity, or nothing, then I think that you're thinking about God as way too narrow. So we're going to try to expand beyond those, those two options, though we're going to address those two options. But I've never given up my interest, and it's more than interest maybe, my obsession with the idea of God. And the other reason I'm so moved by the idea of God is because the societies, the society is obsessed with God. You can't escape God. And I don't mean theologically, I just mean sociologically. God is everywhere. Regardless of the traditions that you move in, God is, is there either positively in that the people are affirming one God or another, or negatively in that the people are always railing against one God or another. But you can't escape it. So what I want to do is I do, what I don't want to do is allow the definition of God to be held by people, by people who hold the definition that I reject. Does that make sense? I want to I claim the word and give it a definition that works for me. And this is true for me in, in, in a lot of different ways. So my work in Judaism is all about reclaiming key Jewish terms and giving them definitions that are much smarter than the ones we came up with in the Middle Ages. They're much smarter because I came up with them, but that's it. 
So that's what I want to do today, is, is to look at different ways of understanding God and encourage you not to throw the word out, keep the word, but then share a different definition that might cause other people who also hold the, world, the word precious and shake up what they have in mind. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Hopefully it'll make sense when we go along. Okay. So there are basically, and this is broad brush categories, but there are basically five ways of thinking about God. There's the theistic way, and I'll define these in a sec. There's, you can be a theist, an atheist, an agnostic, a pantheist, or a panentheist. Those are the basic ways. In those categories, there are all kinds of variations. Uh, and, and you can throw those out. We could talk about them during the talk back. But these are the five major categories. Theist, atheist, and agnostic fall into one big basket, because they're really variations on a theme. And pantheist and panentheist are another basket, and they're variations on a theme. So let's take up the first basket of theist, atheist, and agnostic. So a theist is a person who believes that God is a self-conscious entity who lives somewhere, usually outside the natural world, who created the natural world, the cosmos, not just Earth, but you know, whatever the cosmos is, or if you're into the multiverse, who created the multiverse, who, stands, who lives somewhere outside the multiverse, uh, who created it, who manages it, who judges it, and who rewards and punishes maybe just people, but maybe all living things. You know, there's variations, right? Uh, and then sends those that he, because it's almost always he, that uh, he likes, rewards them with eternal life in a world to come, or eternal life back on earth if you're a Mormon, or uh, eternal damnation in some hellscape. Right, which could be New Jersey, or could be, you know, hey. some. I actually knew that, Carla. I was just because usually I pick on Frank, and I thought, well, I think I I had it in my head. I think Carla's from New Jersey, so let's okay. So let, let, so thank you. <laughs> this is like this is my Joe Biden. Uh, State of the Union message, and you're, oh, you're, no. you're <laughs> I won't say it, but we're, we're, we're now in agreement that we're not going to touch uh, Social Security and uh, Medicare. <laughs> so, <laughs> come on, Frank. Getting off the rails. Getting off the rails. Okay. So, that's what a theist thinks. Self-conscious self God out there somewhere rewards, creates the world, rewards, and punishes us. An atheist, the atheist definition of God is exactly the same. An atheist says, yeah, God is a self-conscious being outside of the universe who created it, rewards and punishes according to whatever his rules are. Uh, hell, heaven, all of that. The only difference between an atheist and a theist is, the theist says, and that being exists, and the atheist says, but there's no such thing. So it's like a, and this could also be a cringeworthy moment, but it's like someone uh, having a discussion about a unicorn. So you may, you and I, 
probably would agree that a unicorn is a big white horse with a spiral in the center of its forehead. Some of you may be unicornists. You may believe that there's such a thing as a unicorn, and they exist, or they existed. I'm an a-unicornist. I don't think they ever existed. We both agree as to what a unicorn is. You say, and they, they're real, and I say, and they're not real. But the definition is the same. So theist, atheist share the same definition. Theist says, and it exists, and atheist says it doesn't. Right? You got that? An agnostic says, I agree with the definition. God is a self-conscious being outside the universe, creates it, rewards and punishes it, and I don't know if such a being exists. That's what ag means, no knowledge, agnostic, from gnosis, knowledge. I don't know. The problem with being an agnostic is it's sort of swarmy. <laughs> because an agnostic, if you really don't know, then you probably would act uh, differently than an agnostic does. So an agnostic says, I don't know, but it, most agnostics that I know live like atheists. I don't know, but I'm, just so, but I'm gonna side with the atheists. In other words, if I really don't know, if I don't know if God is Jesus or God is Krishna, or God is you know, Adonai in the Jewish tradition, or God is Allah, and I really don't know, but I agree that God is a self-conscious being out in the universe who rewards and punishes, <clears throat> if I really don't know, then I, I want to be on the winning team, and I don't know which team is the winning team, I'm going to join a church. Of course, I don't know which church is the winning church. I'm going to join all the churches, <laughs> including Catholic, East, uh, Eastern you know, Orthodox churches. I'm going to join the Mormons. I'm going to join the Seventh-day Adventists. I'm going to join all the possible churches, all the denominations of synagogue Judaism, the mosques. I'm going to join every possible religious uh, institution, just in case one of them is right, because I don't know. But all the agnostics I know join nothing, which is what an atheist does. So it's really theistic, atheistic, and the agnostic who just doesn't want to commit, but really lives like an atheist. Now, you may disagree. That's fine. You can share that in, in the, this talkback section. But that seems to me how it works. So that's the first basket, theist, atheist, and agnostic. The second basket is radically different than the first. Most people fall into the first basket. Most people, when they think about God, think about in the, fall into that, into that first basket. The second basket, pantheist and panentheist, is radically different. A pantheist, the, the word means pan means all, everything in the universe. Theist is from God, so is, refers to theos God. So a pantheist is one who believes that God and the universe are one. Or if you're into the multiverse, God and the multiverse are one. All existence is God. So where the theist says there's existence and then there's God outside, the pantheist says there's existence and that's God. They're identical. So if you say to a pantheist, does God exist? A pantheist can say, well, I would more accurately put it, a pantheist would say, God is existence. Someone says, well, can you show me God? 
you know, a theist would say, well, no one can see God. A pantheist would say, here, God is existence. The clapper exists. So I'm showing you God. Everything is God. In the mystical traditions, they all partake in pantheism, though some go one step further, which is panentheism. I'll get to that. But they all, none of them violate pantheism. All of them will say that everything in the universe, but sticking to our little mini universe in the room, every, every pantheist would say that you and I, the chairs we're sitting on, the microphone, the podium, the flags, the, the room itself, the paintings, you know, everything that you can experience with your five senses and everything you can experience with the technologies we have to extend the five senses, the web telescope, you know, all these kinds of things, everything you can perceive and the tools that you use to perceive them are all God. So there's no denying God because God is existence and you can't deny existence because you're existing. That's the pantheist position. Do you pray to God? The theist is always praying to God. The, the atheist, I, you know, theoretically, never prays to God. And the agnostic, who knows? But mostly doesn't. Does the pantheist pray to God? No, hold that one in abeyance for a second, because it gets more complicated. But mostly, the pantheist tries to experience God, because prayer sounds like God is somewhere else, right? I'm here, and I'm going to pray to God, and God is over there. That's the implication of prayer. But in pantheism, there's no distance. So who am I praying to? It's just the whole thing. So <clears throat> in a pantheist uh, system, mostly you want to, rather than pray, maybe you, you use the language of awake. You know, like the Buddha being, the, the word itself means to awake, the word Buddha. So it's awake to the, they wouldn't use the term, but to the divinity of everything. You want to wake up. You don't necessarily pray. <clears throat> they have all kinds of tools for waking up, but they don't necessarily pray. Though, in Tibetan Buddhism, for example, there's a lot of prayers, but that's cultural, it gets confusing. We won't get distracted with that. But the pantheist will say, God isn't out there because there's no out there, there's just everything, and God is that. Right? You with me? The fifth option is panentheism. I'm a panentheist. So the fifth option is the true one. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to think about God, because this is how I think about it. But this one has a hole in it, and you'll see. Pantheism seems to me the most logical. Just the definition itself. If you're going to explain, if you're going to define God as everything, well then, you've proven the existence of God by definition. If God is everything, then if there's anything, there's God. Panentheism makes it more challenging. Pan means everything. The theism means theos God. The little en in the middle says everything is in God. There's no separation between anything and God. But God is bigger than everything. Right, you follow that? 
So the pantheist says God and everything are the same. The panentheist says God includes, but is also bigger than, but never other than, just bigger than everything. So this may help, this may not help. But I've been doing a lot of 12-step teaching lately. Um, just got invited to do this whole international thing out of Berlin, uh, talking about 12-step. And, and one of the things that I talk about when I talk to 12-step groups, um, I usually ask them where to get a good drink. They usually know, but. <laughs> oh, God. Frank, I'm really getting them today. I'm really, I'm really, I'm doing cringeworthy things. Um, but when I talk to 12-step groups, I talk about the difference between what's written in, and I'm not going to ask you who's been in a, who's in a 12-step group, but 12-step is based on the big book written by um, Bill W., Bill Wilson. And in the big book, Bill Wilson talks about a power greater than ourselves. But in the work of meetings, they often talk about a power higher than ourselves. That's very different. A power higher than ourselves smacks of theism. A power greater than ourselves is panentheism. Because that power is bigger than me, but not other than me. So we have this discussion about is God other or is God just bigger, including me, but bigger than me. The reason it matters in 12-step, and I'm going to suggest the reason it matters in all mystical traditions, because I think 12-step is one of them. The reason it matters is because if God is other than me, how do I get to the other? How do I transcend that distance? I can't. But if God is greater than me, can I realize the greaterness of which I am a part? And that's what a panentheist wants to do. A panentheist wants to move beyond the limited sense of, of self, to the greater reality of which I am a part. The Hindus have the best, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a metaphor or an analogy, but the best metaphor for this, and that is uh, it's, uh, your relationship to the absolute, or your relationship to God, is like that of a wave to the ocean. The wave is the ocean, but just not all of the ocean. So, you and I, and everything else, but you and I are waves of this infinite ocean. The ocean <clears throat> isn't higher than you, it's just greater than you. But you are part of that greater reality. Can you realize your greater nature? In 12-step, that's what leads you to, to recovery. Because if you're just this isolated self, you end up drinking or, or drugging, whatever it is. But if you realize your greater self, you're free from the compulsion to do whatever your addiction is. So it's about not getting in touch with your higher self, which I don't know how to do, but it's about realizing your greater self, which is already present. You're already part of this greater reality. There's lots of ways to get to, to awaken to that. When we talk about God as the greater reality of which we are a part, you can still have the conviction of a pantheist that everything is God, so I don't have to, you know, God is existence, so here, you know, if you want to see God, here's God, here's God, Allison is God, everyone in the room is God, I can see God just by looking out, I can see God just by looking in a mirror. 
Even New Jersey is gone. Even and all the more so when Carla is visiting. So all of this is God, and yet God is even greater. Why do I need God to be greater? Don't know. <laughs> Can I prove that God is greater? No. That's why panentheism is trickier than pantheism. Right? Pantheism just makes, I don't know if it makes sense to you, but to me it just makes sense because there's no faith involved. Panentheism, I'm, I can't prove that. I think, no, I think I'm, what I'm about to say is not true, so I'm going to say it, but I know I'm, this is really not provable either. I think in my, contempt, in my practice, in my meditation and all that, Rami disappears into something. But is that something greater than the universe or greater than the multiverse? I don't know. Somehow, the language of panentheism, that I'm part of something greater even than the multiverse, somehow that speaks to me. But I don't know why. It just does. So even though I think that's the best way to speak about it, you may not be comfortable with that, and I won't have that argument. Okay, so hopefully you've followed me so far. So let me take one more step. Can a pantheist or a panentheist pray? So years ago, I would have said, no. Who am I praying to? That makes no sense. And when I had a synagogue, I, I was the, the rabbi of a synagogue from 1978 to 2000, I rewrote all the liturgy. Because all the Jewish liturgy is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Alam, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. I mean, really? I, none of that works for me. I don't know who you are, right? You know, Lord is wrong for me. King is wrong for me. Uh, it, the whole thing is just dualistic, uh, theistic, nonsense. So I rewrote it all. And when people came to join our synagogue, <clears throat> which was rare in and of itself, but when they came to join, they had to actually come and sit with me in my office and I would explain to them the theology of our synagogue. So when they walked in and they didn't find the prayers that they grew up with and, and God the, the king was missing, and I would explain to them, we're not theistic. We believe in this Kabbalistic, mystical thing. And if that worked for them, fine. If it didn't work for them, this is Miami, Florida. There was a, another synagogue in every corner in the neighborhood. Go find somewhere else. But we, we changed everything to fit my non-dual panentheist worldview. So we would call, we would say things like, um, Oh, I can't remember the wording anymore. But um, we acknowledge the source of life, the fountain of being, from whom bread comes forth from the earth, or you know, one of those. And that's how we play around with the liturgy. So we, I was really obsessive about not praying to any deity. Then I started having experiences, both in my meditation and then just in my everyday life, of a deity which is really annoying when your theology is my, was the way mine was. 
but I started having experiences of uh, the Divine Mother in different forms. And I mean, this could be a long talk, which I don't, I won't make the time for because we've got to take a break. But I, I, I went to a variety of teachers and said, look, you know me, you've known me for a long time, you know my theology, what's wrong? What's going on? Why is this happening to me and how do I make it stop? <laughs> and all of them were mystics, all of them were panentheists, none of them were theists. I, I don't have any, I mean, maybe I have panentheist friends, pantheist friends, maybe I have theistic friends, but only by accident. But I would never, I, I, I would never go and talk to them about this stuff. So I, I went to great mystics, you know, brand name mystic guys. And, and uh, you know, they, men or women, it didn't matter. They all told me the same thing, that once this starts happening, there's nothing you can do about it. But only one of them took me aside and said, this was Andrew Harvey, if anyone is familiar with the name. But Andrew Harvey took me aside and said, look, you don't really understand um, panentheism because you're, you're limiting, limiting panentheism. Panentheism is non-dual, meaning there's no other. But you're limiting panentheism and non-dualism to the, the dualistic notion that there can't be any personal experience of a deity. Does that make, that make sense? And he says, that's dualism. So are you a dualist? And saying, there can't be any experience of, a, of, a, of a, uh, an image of a god? Or are you a non-dualist, which means that God can be both, as they say in, in Hinduism, with form and without form? Uh, Sadguna Brahman or Nirguna Brahman. You can have a god that appears to you as Krishna, and you can have a god that has no form at all. The trick is not to think that God is Krishna, just to know that the unformed can manifest as a form, just like the ocean can manifest as a wave. So each of us is a form of deity. So God can, can actually manifest as Jesus or as Mary or as um, you know, Krishna or, or you know, any, any of the forms of deity that, that we have or some form that we don't have that, that isn't known to us. Uh, and, and so Andrew said, look, don't discriminate. If that's how it's manifesting, do what all the Hindus tell you to do in, in, this, in the Hindu practice of um, bhakti yoga. When you have a form, em you know, embrace the form to the point where the form becomes formless again. Move through the form into the formless. But don't imagine you can't have a form. So, so I've been working with that. So can you pray? Can you go to a church as a panentheist and participate in a service that's Jesus-centered? Or can you go to a Krishna temple that's Krishna-centered? Or go to the Ganesh temple in Nashville that's Ganesh, you know, the elephant-headed god that's Ganesh-centered? Can you do that as a panentheist and see Ganesh not as a deity, but as a form of the formless that you can move through into the formless. Can you go to a church and, and see Jesus just as a form through which you can enter the formless? I, I don't know if this is making any sense, but maybe we can talk about it later. Can you do that? 
ultimately, that's what a panentheist, a non-dual panentheist, is challenged to do. I'm not saying I'm, I can do that. I'm just saying, it's, it, theoretically, it's doable. At which point, you really are a Unitarian, <laughs> right? You really are a Universalist, because none of this stuff is alien. Because, but none of it would work in a church. You can't go in and say, hey, look, Jesus is just a form of the infinite Godhead that has no form. No, that won't work. It would work in a Christian mystical setting, but it won't work in the churches up the street. So I'm not saying you should go in there and prophesy and say, you know, that, that's not what I'm suggesting. But could you go and participate in a family event? Could you go and, 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 and uh, find meaning in any of the other church temples, mosques, et cetera, and hold that mindset? Yes, you could, because while theism, atheism, agnosticism are boxes, uh, I'm going to say pan pantheism and certainly panentheism have no borders. They're not boxes. They're attitudes, maybe. I don't know what the word would be. That embrace and transcend the first basket. And because they do, they are the ultimate way to think about God because they have no limits and they have no enemies, I was going to say. I don't know what else to say. But they have no limits, and they allow you to participate with all worshipers from a perspective that maybe they can't reach or they can't accept, but which you can accept and find meaning in all of it without being, tra this is very judgmental, without being trapped by any of it. And that's how to think about God. Thank you.